Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Tosco. I'm hosting today's program. If you're in the program, Nature Calls, that curry you had last night's playing up with your digestive system. Somebody wants you to change your electricity provider. ASIO wants you to come down for a little chat. The local police... Officers have turned up because your music's too loud. Don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast for a number of weeks by going to 3cr.org.au. And if you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchy Society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democracy society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Anarchos. Anarchy without rulers, not without rules. Now, there are a few things happening, and unfortunately, all I've got is stuff in Melbourne. So if you've got stuff around the place that's happening, it's always good to uh, email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or give us a ring on 0439 395 489 or write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. But if you are in Melbourne town on Saturday... The 8th of August, the 5th Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair is on from 10am to 6pm at the Abbotsford Convent, which sits on Wurundjeri land at 1 St Helio Street, Abbotsford. And uh, if you want more information, the stalls, workshops, films, kids' activities, childcare, free entry, go to amelbournebookfair.com. Sorry, .org. How do I get that wrong? A Melbourne Book Fair.org. So if you're a lot to do something on Saturday the 8th of August, uh, it's uh, a great event that uh, many people attend. You don't have to be an anarchist to attend. All you need is an inquiring mind. You could, you could also be maybe asleep. But it doesn't really matter, but uh, it's a great way to meet um, like-minded people in a, uh, a very relaxed Environment. So the Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday the 8th of August at uh, Abbotsford Convent, which sits in Wurundjeri land, which is part of the Kulin Nation, the uh, traditional owners of the land, uh, 
Melbourne sits on at 1 St Helios Street, Abbotsford. So that's one thing. Now, if you're also in Melbourne on uh, Friday, the 7th of August, resist Murdoch's minions' legislative agenda at it again. For nearly two years, they've been congregating outside the Herald and Weekly Times building at 40 City Road in Melbourne. They meet at 11.30am, that's on the first Friday of each month. They meet at 11.30am at Federation Square at the corner of uh, Flinders and St Kilda Road, the uh, section of the square opposite the the uh, Flinders Street Station, and then they walk gently across the road to 40 City Road where they set up camp in what is claimed to be private land, which we claim is public land, at uh, midday sharp, and they're there for an hour despite all efforts to remove them. They have persisted and continue to be there to highlight where real power lies in the society. I mean, there are a number of reasons why uh, the Resist Murdoch's Minions legislative onslaught was set up. One, the Abbott-led government owes its political existence to the Murdoch media. Two, the Murdoch media is made up of some of the biggest hypocrites on the planet. On the one hand, on a daily basis, they're bashing, you know, uh, social security beneficiaries, workers, trade unions, and push every neoliberal piece of garbage that's, you know, corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation, deregulation, and telling us how we all need to tighten about it. On the other hand, they are on the Australian tax officer's watch list. I understand on the top of the watch list because Mr Murdoch received, by shuffling a few pieces of paper, all legally, obviously, in 2013, just when the federal election was being held, an $883 million tax refund, and I understand he pocketed most of it himself personally. And the other arm of uh, the conglomerate here in Australia, 21st Century Fox, pays 0.75% tax legally on their profits. They do it all legally, because when you've got the government in your pockets... Obviously, you can do all these things legally. You try to pay 0.75% tax on your profits, try to get an $883 million tax refund from the Australian tax office and see what happens to you. Uh, Most likely, you'll be uh, certified, and if you're not certified, you'll be jailed. So, join them. It's a small group, a hardy group, a hardy group of people who actually stand there on a monthly basis to be a witness to what is happening in this country, where we see corporations setting the parliamentary agenda in such a way as to benefit their major shareholders. And if you believe in uh, corporate responsibility, think again. A corporation's major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for its major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. It's that simple, boys and girls. It is very simple. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. So that's two events. Now, if you do have events that you want me to uh, spruik, let us know. Okay, now, housing. Now, the last time, you know, I looked at a human body, even my own hairy body, most people, the 7 billion people on the planet need some type of shelter. You know, they need some type of shelter, and we call it housing in the land of Oz. 
Now, it's fascinating that most of us spend most of our lives working to have this roof over our heads. But occasionally things happen which um, really highlight how perverted everything has become. Now, those of you living in the land of Oz, especially the capital cities, especially Melbourne and Sydney, will have seen real estate profit, real estate prices skyrocket over the last 20 or 30 years. Property that was worth $100,000 30 years ago, you sell for a million dollar plus. That's a tenfold increase. While there hasn't been a tenfold increase in wages in the last 30 years. But the problem is becoming a little bit more muddy. It's been muddied lately. And it's been muddied for one very good reason, because we now have laws in this country which actually give prizes to people who already won prizes in the uh, housing uh, stakes. For example, every property, 50% of every property sold in Melbourne in the last three months was sold to investors. 60% of every property that was sold in Sydney was sold to investors. So these are not people who needed that particular piece of real estate to put a roof over their head. These are people who bought that piece of real estate to increase their income. You say, fine, so what? Well, it's interesting that in Australia, that if you need to buy a piece of real estate, well, you need to go to the bank to get some money to buy a piece of real estate to put a roof over your head, that you cannot even use a small percentage of your superannuation to pay the deposit on that piece of real estate. And that every dollar you pay in interest on that piece of real estate is not tax deductible. But if you own one home, so you've got a roof over your head, and you decide that the way you would like to make money, and a million Australians are doing this today, one million, one in 25, one million, let's not forget that. We have a, we have an, we have a thing called negative gearing in this country. You like that? I like it. Negative gearing. That if you borrow money from a bank or a financial institution, and then use that money to buy a piece of real estate, which you rent out to somebody else, you receive a tax deduction for any losses you make that financial year for that piece of real estate. So that means the more you borrow, the more tax deduction you receive. So you've got two things happening. One, you've got somebody renting your property who is helping to pay off your mortgage. And two, the government is giving you a tax deduction for paying off your mortgage on your second home. Extraordinary, isn't it? So in the land of Oz, you get a tax deduction for owning two homes, but you get no support for trying to get your foot in the housing market. So no wonder investors are flooding the housing market. You'd be an idiot if you didn't have the disposable income not to buy a second or third or fourth house. You'd be a bloody idiot. 
because the laws are structured in such a way as to allow investors to make a killing from the real estate market, not just in terms of pushing property prices up and preventing people from getting a foot in the marketplace and buying a home or you know, getting the bank to buy a home on their behalf, but you can also make extraordinary amounts of profits and reduce your tax liabilities. And it's all legal. And there is not one major political party in this country, apart from possibly the Greens, who say they will abolish negative gearing. Because negative gearing has profound effects on the rest of the community, especially in a community where there is no investment in public housing. Because what we are seeing across the country in every state and every territory is public housing stocks being either privatised or given over to so-called community-based organisations. So we are seeing government removing itself from the responsibility of providing housing, except in circumstances of dire emergency, to people who will never enjoy the security of owning their own home. And we do that across the country. So you've got three issues that's running parallel. One, you've got rapidly increasing property prices which are due to an investor swamping the marketplace, the housing marketplace, both local investors and overseas investors, which are pushing property prices up. These investors are using this country's legally, uh, negative gearing laws, to minimise their tax bill, getting renters to pay their mortgage and making a killing on the fact that the property prices are increasing when they sell that property. Secondly, this means that people in ordinary jobs can't, that's right, can't, get a foot in the property market. They can't even raise the deposit to go to a bank to get the money to buy a home maybe 70 or 80 kilometres from the GPO, mortgage for the next 30 or 40 years, but it's becoming increasingly difficult because property prices have increased so much because of investors dominating the marketplace. As I said, 60% in Sydney in the past three months, 50% in Melbourne. That it's becoming impossible for people in ordinary jobs taking home less than, say, 1500 a, a week. That's 1500 combined income in a household. It's becoming increasingly difficult for them to actually buy anything, which forces people to rent. And renting can be a very insecure situation, especially if you've got children and you find that you've got to move suburbs and you've got to change, you know, schooling, and the list goes on and on. So there is no security in the rental market because leases are for a year, not 10 years in this country. And then you've got governments absolving themselves the responsibility of providing housing for people on low incomes, not just people in dire emergency situations, and removing themselves from the public housing market. So what we are seeing is private and corporate interests being put 
before public interest. So as I keep saying on this program, if you are concerned, and there are many people who are concerned, if you are concerned about the fact that your children and their children will never enjoy the benefits of the security of owning your own home or paying off your own home, and you are concerned about their future, it is very important to stop moaning and groaning and carrying on and doing something about it. As there is no major political party in this country that makes housing a priority, isn't it about time that you looked at public interests before corporate interests? Now, this is an organisation which hopefully will be a registered political party by the end of the year. This is an organisation which has been established for one very good reason, to put public interest before corporate interests. And there is nothing, nothing apart from maybe healthcare is important of having security of housing. So if you want to see more intervention in the marketplace by governments at the state and federal level in terms of public housing, this is an opportunity. If you want to see the removal of negative gearing, This is an opportunity for you to join an organisation that will always put public interest before corporate interest. So if you want to join, look at the website, pibci.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. Funny name, isn't it? Pibci, public interest before corporate interest.net, pibci.net. Look at their Facebook page. Just put public interest before corporate interest in your search engine and hey, bingo. There's their Facebook page. Have a look at what they're doing. There are three Pipsy branches now. There's Pipsy Frankston on the outskirts of Melbourne, Pipsy Hastings on the Mornington Peninsula in in Victoria, Pipsy Melbourne North, which is the northern suburbs of uh, Melbourne. We're looking for people to form branches across the country. This is not just an initiative in Victoria. This should be an initiative across the country about putting public interests before corporate interests. So if you are interested and you want to join, fine. But if you don't want to join, we'll do something else in order to put public interests before corporate interests because the housing situation highlights, highlights how things have changed in this country. It highlights how corporate interests, the interests of investors, always takes precedence over public interests in Australia in 2015. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Let's move on to the Adam Goods situation, because I did say a few words about it last weekend. Uh, Look, I'm always interested in how Australians or Australia handles the Indigenous question. You like that? The Indigenous question. And it looks like we like it to be compartmentalised and relatively simple. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of publicity about uh, Mr Good's experience, uh, I think a Sydney footballer, about uh, Indigenous football, about his experiences and how the crowd has been baiting him for, uh, I think, about a year. So it's interesting. It's interesting to see the Australian community, especially, you know, figures of authority coming to the party. But, but I always ask myself in these situations, and we see these little 
what I call blow-ups occasionally, especially in the sporting field. We see these blow-ups. And then I always ask myself, where are these people when it comes to the questions of deaths in custody? Where are these people when it comes to the question of Indigenous exploitation? Where are these people when it comes to the question of Indigenous land rights and a treaty and reconciliation and what is happening across the country in terms of closing down Aboriginal communities in West Australia and the way Indigenous communities continue to be shortchanged of cash to provide basic services. And you wonder if we can make such a fuss, we can incorporate so many people into the debate through the experiences of one Indigenous footballer, why can't the same angst the same passion, the same drive be applied to problems which have existed as a result of colonisation in this country. You know why? It's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? It's a little bit more difficult to have reconciliation which is based on justice. It's a little bit more difficult, as we've seen with the Prime Minister's you know, attempt to scuttle any meaningful referendum question on the question of uh, Indigenous Australians being the first inhabitants you know, of this country. It's a little bit more difficult when it comes to going further than an apology. And that's the issue. That is the central issues regarding healing that festering sore that continues to exist between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. It's a matter of public, not just perception, but public will to resolve that question. Think about it. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. That's right. And you can go to the website, anarchistmedia.org, or you can go to the Pipsy website, pipsy.net. Now, a few things. Um, work No Choices Mark Two. Isn't it fascinating? Now, this government had three mandates. That's right, three mandates. One, turn back the boats. Irrespective of the damage done to this country's population, ir- irrespective to the damage done to this country's reputation, irrespective of the damage done to the people, asylum seekers and refugees whose boats are turned back. And let's not forget that 90% of people who reached Australian territories or uh, the mainland 
in the past 20 years have been found to be refugees, genuine, in inverted commas, refugees, and let's not forget that it's not illegal to seek asylum, but they've turned back the boats. That's what they told us they'd do before the election they did. Then they told us before the election they would get rid of the carbon tax, which with the support of the Senate, they did. But what they've done now is through their, I like this, direct action policy, is actually give money to the private sector to stop them polluting, which obviously will have no impact, but that's another story. And then we have getting rid of the super profits mining tax. No wonder we're having trouble, you know, uh, finding the resources to provide basic services to an increasing number of people in this country. And then everything else was extras. Now, those of you whose memory goes back more than 19 months will remember, or uh, was it 20 months or 21 months, will remember uh, Mr Abbott saying and his government saying no changes to tertiary education and we are seeing the corporatisation and privatisation of tertiary education. No changes to uh, Medicare. And we are seeing, well, we have seen attempts to dismantle Medicare and now not being able to do it through the Senate, they're dismantling Medicare by actually freezing rebates on, uh, doctor rebates on Medicare fees for the next four years, forcing more and more clinics to uh, abandon bulk billing and charge $80 upfront fees for people to see a general practitioner, of which about they receive about $35, $36 back. And then we saw these other things. We're not going to do this. But, and we have seen that this government had two agendas. It had the agenda which it used to win office, and then it had this secret agenda, which was about promoting the interests of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange, and communication. Promoting their interests on a daily basis, passing legislation through Parliament which promotes their interests. And there is nothing more important for this government, as far as ideologically bent agenda is concerned, than to create a low-wage economy in this country. And we've seen a number of attacks which are designed to create a low-wage economy, where we actually have a new generation of people called the working poor, who, although they are working, don't receive enough income to look after their basic needs. That's the working poor. And then we see the creation of the user pay generation, where only those people who have the disposable income, maybe through negative gearing, maybe through stock market investments, which you can also get a tax deduction for for your losses, who are the only ones who are allowed to get the best education money can buy and the best health care money can buy and the best security money can buy because they've been able to exploit other people's labour. But as far as those people who only have their labour to earn resources, they are this government's enemy. And they have been the enemy of all governments for the last four decades in this country. Working people, wage earners, pay-as-you-earn taxpayers who provide 67%. That's right, 
20% of the taxation revenue which is raised in this country, while the corporate sector barely pays, you know, 3 or 4%, if that, as we've seen with the Murdoch empire. So who is public enemy number one in this country today? Bulk billing doctors, filthy bulk billing doctors who are willing to treat all their patients equally. Solicitors and barristers who work in legal centres who take huge pay cuts in order to provide basic legal representation for people who can get no legal representation. And the biggest trade unions, organisations which have been organised and built up over generations to protect the interests of their members working in a particular field. And now... The gun sites, or I should say the cannon sites, have been turned on pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. This government never, never, never stopped dreaming about the reintroduction of work no choice. Not about work choices. It never stopped dreaming about the introduction of individual contracts because it owes its allegiance, it owes its position to that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication who have bankrolled and continue to bankroll their campaign to deregulate, remove all those protections which we have enjoyed for generations to corporatise, to allow large corporations to dominate the marketplace, to globalise, globalisation, to allow large corp to break down barriers which prevent large corporations from exploiting people in this country, and privatisation, giving away public assets to the private sector, virtually giving them away. Commonwealth Serum Laboratories... CSL, Commonwealth Serum Laboratories, an exceptionally important part of the makeup of this country, a public company which is privatised. Its share prices went over $100 last week, sold for a pittance a number of years ago. Sold for a pittance. So getting back to the major argument, who is in the government's rifle side, shotgun side, cannon side. Who are they going to nuke? Well, it's the pay-as-you-earn taxpayer. Now, most Australians understand that without overtime payments and without penalty rates, they would not receive the income necessary to pay their bills. It's that simple. Wages are so artificially low in this country, you know, a basic wage of, you know, was $625 a week, wouldn't even pay rent on a three-bedroom home in most major capital cities in this country. Most workers understand that they survive because of penalty and overtime payments. And penalty and overtime payments isn't a gift from God. Penalty and overtime payments 
were won through the blood, sweat and tears of generations of working people in this country. And now we have these scum, that's all it is, scum, telling wage earners, not investors, who get every leg up from this government and from the opposition, every leg up, telling them that if they work in certain industries, they don't deserve penalty rates. They don't deserve overtime rates. There are 4 million Australians of the 12 million who are in the workforce currently who work outside 9 to 5. And many of them enjoy penalty and overtime rates. Not all of them, but many. Because obviously the cash economy, people don't enjoy penalty and overtime rates. And there are situations where individual contracts are still in play, where people don't enjoy penalty and overtime rates. And there are situations we've seen where certain unions turn over and actually remove penalty and overtime rates in order to do some type of contract with some large corporation. So they own the gun now. Work, no no choices, mark two. What a society we live in. Instead of chasing the corporate sector to pay their fair share of tax, and if you look at the the corporate sector and the amount of tax they pay, it's a hoo-hoo of tax evaders. Hoo-hoo. Wonderful list. Incredible. So who do you turn your attention to? You turn your attention to pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. You remove penalty rates. You remove overtime rates. You provide a low-wage economy. And why are we told this? Because it'll increase employment. Of course it's going to increase employment, but all you do is create working poor. (laughs) It's extraordinary. And we've got people in this country actually, actually supporting this drivel. Just extraordinary. And what do ordinary Australians do? They go, tut, 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 tut. Somebody should do something about that. I'm going to do something about that, tut, tut. The reality is that you can't rely on anybody else. We, we are the people we've been waiting for. Not somebody else, we. And it's up to us to ensure that these things don't happen. And this government has had an agenda, and it's a very simple agenda. One, you break down any organisation which provides any resistance to your agenda. So you break down the trade union movement. Now, you break down the trade union movement by a number of things. One, by introducing legislation which has been supported by both houses, of, both houses of Parliament and all the major political parties, which makes striking illegal in this country. You introduce laws which criminalise picketing, secondary boycotts, and the list goes on and on, makes criminals of people withdrawing their labour to advance their interests. 
then what you do is you call into question the credibility of the organisations which represent working people in this country by holding a royal commission into corruption in the trade union trade unions. Now I am sure there is corruption in trade unions as there are in any organisation, but I can assure you the type of corruption which occurs in corporations, privately owned corporations, corporations owned by taxpayers in this country, you know, the corruption which occurs in the trade union movement pales into insignificance with the corruption which occurs within the corporate sector. So do we have any royal commissions into corruption in this country? No. Do we have any royal commissions into tax evasion and tax minimisation in this country? No. Do we have any royal commissions into the role the Murdoch Empire plays in determining who governs this country and this country's legislative uh, agenda? No. But we do have a royal commission into the trade unions. Then what you do is you put downward pressure on wages by allowing people to come into this country legally to do work that can be done by people living in this country who are citizens or residents of this country, not super-skilled work, which requires years of training, but basic work. And then you have these free trade agreements, which we are told will be, you know, the saviour of the country because it allows the rural sector to export a bit more milk and a bit more wheat and a bit more wool and a few more wine bottles, forgetting that most of these free trade agreements have mechanisms within the agreements which prevent, prevent, P-R-E-V-E-N-T, prevent governments from passing legislation that benefits their citizens and residents if it has an adverse commercial impact on the activities of a corporation from the country who you've signed the free trade agreement. So here we have the Abbott-led government carrying on about border protection, having the border protection force turning boats back, talking about sovereign rights, that we will determine who comes to this country. Well, on the other hand, when it comes to standing up for the interests of millions of Australians, millions of us, standing up and saying, we will put public interest before corporate interests in this country, we will stand up for your interests, what do they do? They get on their hands and knees... And they say, please, please come in. We need your cash. We need you. Extraordinary. Giving away our sovereign right to determine what type of country we are, what type of legislation is passed in Parliament. On our hands and knees are grovelling grovelling, saying, 
Oh, yes, we'd like this free trade agreement. Oh, yes, we're not going to worry about those stupid people we rule. I mean, they're just idiots. They elected us to power. We do what we like. We are the, you know, Bromelon bishops of the world. Bromelon bishops not by herself. They're all Bromelon bishops. They should all be wearing Bromelon bishop masks when the parliament, you know, sits in a few days' time. But here we are saying, oh, yeah, we're happy to give away our sovereign rights as long as those pesky asylum seekers and refugees don't turn up on the border by boat. If they come by plane, it's a different matter. Let's not forget that. So here we are giving away sovereign rights for the sake of a few shekels, for the sake of 30 pieces of silver. I mean, Judas had nothing, nothing on these people. And what do we do? Oh... Tut, tut, isn't that terrible? Tut, tut, somebody should do something about that. And where's the discussion in the media? It doesn't exist. Because the government, the OBC has been gelded. The corporate sector owns the majority of the media in this country. Do you think they're going to do the work for you? No. We, we are the people we've been waiting for. And it's time we became organised because while we continue to be divided, disorganised, going to do something, waiting for somebody else to do something, nothing will happen. And that's why PIPSI was formed a few months ago, public interest before corporate interest. And I know I talk about it a lot these days, but I see it as a vehicle which can be used to put public interest before corporate interest across the Western world, across many other parts of the world. There are people who are asking questions, not just about the role of the state in society, but the dominant role, unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs Questions are being asked across the world and it is time questions were asked in this country and that the interests of the public as a whole, whether it's health care, whether it's safety, whether it's education, whether it's infrastructure, whether it's taxation, whether it's, you know, gay, whether it's gay marriage, whether it's public housing and the list goes on and on that questions are raised, not just in a disorganised manner. So I encourage you, look at Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, pipsy.net. Go to their Facebook page, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Join an organisation which will have a major impact, not just in terms of electoral politics, but in terms of extra-parliamentary struggle. Because we can all push our little barrows and we've all got barrows we love to push, including myself. But sometimes you've got to look at the bigger picture. You've got to join the dots. And that's what public interest before corporate interest is about. It's about looking at the bigger picture, joining the dots, doing something about it. I mean, I could wax lyrical for the next 50 years about all the things that need to be change but nothing changes without action and when you look around you 
and you see all those organisations which are there theoretically to protect you, when you see that they're not doing the job they were designed to do, when they've actually been sabotaged before they are even created, like the so-called Corruption Commission in Victoria, you begin to understand that you can't rely on the established political parties, you can't rely on the established institutions, you can't go up the right channels because every time you go up the right channels to resolve an issue, you go up some parliamentary or some corporate cul-de-sac and you're going round in circles. And, and unless people are willing to organise, come together, join together, talk about it, act on it, it won't change. It won't change. It doesn't matter how good you feel about hearing people talk about these issues, nothing will change unless more people become involved. And the issues are fundamental to existence. They are fundamental to our existence. Why should the difference between somebody being able to look after their basic needs and develop themselves to their fullest ability be the amount of money that you have, the amount of power you're able to exercise, the fact that you were born on the right side of the tracks, the fact that you were born on the right side of the blanket. Why is it that in Australia in 2015 we have lost the spirit which guided us since the 3rd of December 1854, since the Eureka Rebellion, a spirit which said that Jack and Jill were as good as their master and mistress, that Jack and Jill and their children and their children's children deserved the same rights, the same access to the basic necessities of life as the master and mistress. Why have we gone this down this cul-de-sac with a spectacle, the ability to access what we like on the internet, the ability to turn on a television set, the ability to get on a, you know, a smartphone and explore the world. Why have we let the spectacle divert us from that basic task of ensuring that each and every one of us has the capacity to develop ourselves to our fullest potential because we have access to the resources, both human and environmental and social, of this community, not because of where we were born, not because of what part of the city we were born, not because of who our parents were, but because of the fact that we are human beings with needs and wants. That's the issue. And we've forgotten that. We've all become aspirational. Aspirational for what? To live in a McMansion? Aspiration to eat takeaway every day? Aspiration, you know, to buy the best healthcare we can buy? And even that has become illusory. We are told, buy private health insurance. It'll be okay, baby. It'll be all right. You'll be able to be seen by a doctor when you need to be seen. If you've got to wait on the public sector, you've got to wait. And what happens? The Abbott government privatises Medibank Private. That's right. 
It's now become just another private insurance company. And what is the purpose of insurance, an insu- private insurance company? To maximise the return for its shareholders. And how does it do that? It squeezes its members. And that's the reality. We're told that if we've got the money, we can buy the best education for our kids. But it doesn't work that way, does it? All you're buying is an education. You may be told because of advertising it's the best education, but is it the best education? So this is a dilemma. We are at a crossroads as a country. We have lost most of the gains that were made in the 50s and 60s and 70s in this country. We have clambered onto the privatisation, deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation juggernaut. We've been up there waving our flag saying, yeah, 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 isn't it wonderful? We've become aspirational citizens. And as we see, everything bulldozed before us. As we see the juggernaut privatise public assets, which not only provided a return to the public because they were owned by the public, but also acted as a handbrake on the ability of private corporations to exploit us. And we kept waving and waving as we saw the death of small business in this country, thinking that if, you know, we can all eat McDonald's, we can all go to Hungry Jack's, we can all go to Bunnings, we can all go to Woolworths, that our choices will increase. And the reality is choices decrease. And the reality is the enemy of small business isn't the penalty rates, isn't the overtime rate, The enemy of small business, and this is the tragedy of most small business organisations, the tragedy is the enemy of small business is corporatisation. Where is the corner shop? Replaced by 7-Eleven. Where is the corner hardware shop? Replaced by Bunnings and Masters. Where is the corner hamburger shop? Replaced by McDonald's and Hungry Jack's and the list goes on and on. And you will see... More and more small business being able not to compete, not because of wage pressures, because most wage earners in small businesses don't earn very much at all, including the small business owners. But the pressure is the fact that how can you compete against a corporation that pays voluntary taxation? How can you compete when you've got to pay 20 to 30 percent, you know, company tax on your profits? And large corporations can legally pay two or three percent or get tax refunds like Mr Murdoch likes to likes to do. How can you compete against that? Not only do they have buying power, not only do they have you know advertising power, but they also now dominate the marketplace because of unfair advantage. In no other country in the world, not even in the United States, a large corporations allowed to dominate economic activity. In the state, the antitrust laws prevent any corporation from owning more than 25% of assets in a particular field in that country. Here we have two corporations, Woolworths and Coles, owning over 85% of the dry food market. And the list goes on and on. And we allow it to happen. And we've allowed it to happen on our shift. And we are to blame. We are the people we've been waiting for. We have forgotten that we are the people we've been waiting for. We have forgotten. 
We think it's somebody else's job to do what we need to do. We think it's the media's job. We think it's the ABC's job. We think it's our boss's job. We think it's the government's job. We think it's the local government's job or the state government or the federal government. But ultimately, every gain that's been made in this country over the last, since colonisation began on the 26th of January 1788, every gain has been made through struggle. And it's only when struggles reach a particular crescendo, a particular stage, that governments and politicians and corporations step back. We have forgotten that lesson. So you can sit there and complain, dream about a better future, or you can do something about it. And there's nothing or anybody in this country that you agree with will form your own bloody organisations. Now's the time. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Yes, we do answer letters. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Isn't it amazing that now 30% of Australians are invisible because they're on the net? Well, we welcome those 30% of Australians. You can uh, email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com anarchistage at yahoo.com go to the website anarchistmedia.org anarchistmedia.org you can ring us on 0439 395 489 don't forget about public interests before corporate interests pipsy go to the website pipsy p-i-b-c-i dot net don't forget the dot net you'll go somewhere else maybe p-i-b-c-i dot net look at their Facebook page Public interest before corporate interest. Put it in your search engine. See what you come up with. If you like what you see, join them. What harm is there? What are you going to lose? Maybe your chains. But we get but we get to love our chains, don't we? We paint them green and we think we've, you know, it's environmentally friendly. We paint them, you know, red and red and yellow, and they're, uh, you know, indigenous friendly. And the list goes on and on. Look, if you want to sort out all these problems, cut the chain. And you're the only one person who can cut that chain, and nobody's going to cut it for you. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen next week, and if for the first time you listen to this program, send the podcast to your family, send it to your friends. If you haven't got any friends, send it to your enemies. And if you don't hear the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, contact the community radio network and ask them, we want to hear the Anarchist will this week on our local community radio station. Knock on their door, get them to do something. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist will this week on your local community radio station next week, courtesy of the community, community broadcasting. Thank you once again to all our listeners. That's it. I'm going to go. Countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Last off. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. 
Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.